Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network MJ in memory of my sister Marcia Joyce And this is going to be so cool the Counterfeit Wife by Mally Becker is, oh, she's here. And this book is so fantastic. For those of you that want to talk about George Washington and two likely spies return masquerading, this is so cool, as husband and wife, and they search for the traitors in Philadelphia. And if you think I'm going to tell you more, I'm not. But you're going to meet Becca and Daniel and a whole bunch of people. And the title of the book is The Counterfeit Wife. And there's a whole bunch of double meanings in that word. So good morning and welcome to MJ Network. Thanks so much for having me, Fran. I'm excited to be here. Me too. So tell us a little bit about this book and tell us about Becca and Daniel. God, I love those two. Oh, thanks. I, I have to admit I do too. Um, this is the <laughs> second book in my Revolutionary War Mystery series. Um, oh, and good. as you said, um, Becca and Daniel are George Washington's uh, two most unlikely spies. And I can talk a little about why they're so unlikely and in this book they accept a second mission from George Washington and they find themselves masquerading as newlyweds in revolutionary Philadelphia hunting for traders who are flooding the economy with fake money but uh, and Becca thinks this is this is going to be an easy one Um, Mm. and she is entirely wrong their their straightforward mission turns dangerous when uh, a half-remembered figure from Becca's childhood um, reappears in Philadelphia and is accused of murdering the main suspect in the counterfeiting ring. Mm. So uh, Becca Parcell is a young widow, and uh, her home is in Morristown, New Jersey, which is not too far from mine. Uh, she she began in, in the first book, uh, trying so hard to survive on the farm she's inherited that she doesn't give a fig who wins the war for independence. And that was a pretty common point of view, which surprised me. Um, she is recruited by George Washington uh, to search for her husband's secrets in British-held New York City mm-hmm. uh, because it turns out her, her deceased husband was a British spy. Um, he pairs... Becca with Daniel, who was the last person to see her husband alive. And Daniel had been a, uh, a printer, in, uh, first in Philadelphia and then in Elizabethtown, uh, the colonial name for Elizabeth, New Jersey. And they, the two of them find themselves um, battling attraction and while hunting for spies and uncovering uh, a, a plot to end the new nation before it even gets started. 
So um, George Washington is so impressed with the two of them that when he has a problem with uh, counterfeiting in Philadelphia, he pairs them together again and sends them on their way. That is like, I love George Washington, though, one of my favorite people. And this is great. And it's a, there's a lot of history that kids can learn from this also. So even though it's it's an adult novel, why you can read that? Don't read can read it also. I learned a lot about the history of America, and the Revolutionary uh, War and everything. That's just my educator's background coming through people. So you know what I I learned a lot too. I um I didn't know that our country was about as divided then as it is now, yeah. and that that was one of the things that fascinated me about the time. It's just sad that we're so divided now, but who knows? Yep. Who who are Barnes, Taylor, Priest, and Sally? Who are the main characters in the book that you want to share with us? And why does Becca, this is so cool, she joins the ladies' donations to get, joins the ladies to get donations. For what purpose? So which characters oh. do you want to share with us? Well, one of my favorite characters is Becca's sidekick in this book. Uh, Sally Franklin Beige, yep. and she's an actual historical character. She was Benjamin Franklin's uh, daughter who stayed in Philadelphia and um, was, was, as you would expect, uh, a real gung-ho uh, patriot and one of the leaders of the Ladies Association of Philadelphia. And that's quite a snooty name, uh, but they were <laughs> the first a woman's political organization on the continent, or at least in the country, uh, and they raised money for the Continental Army. Um, so she's she's an important character. Um, the half-remembered figure from Becca's childhood is actually Becca's mother, Hannah, and she's quite an important uh, figure, uh, especially since uh, Becca had believed that her mother was had died when she was a small child. That was the story mm. her father always told her. Um, and Becca is quite shocked and not entirely thrilled to find that that's not the case. So she has really mixed feelings that she works through in this book. So Hannah's quite important. Um, Jacob Price uh, has the young man who's come to Philadelphia to make his fortune and gets mixed up with uh, Mr. Edmund Taylor. Uh, so the mm. two of them are important as well. Um, Jacob Price, in a weird way, is, is taken uh, under Daniel's wing. Daniel sees a bit of himself in Jacob Price, um, who trusts the wrong people, loses all his money, begins to drink, and his life is on a downward spiral. I mentioned Ed, Edmund Taylor. He's mm. he's a very wealthy merchant. He's made his money in shipping, but he seems to make and lose his investors' money in perhaps suspicious ways. And he's also uh, very cruel to his wife, Charlotte. Mm. So I, I think I'll I'll leave the character list yeah. there um, with a sense of that, that all is not well in Philadelphia. That's not, I know. So why does Daniel pretend to want to invest in a printing business? And the main question is, 
there's a this, counterfeit has a lot of different meanings. So what is the significance yeah. of the word counterfeit in that story? That's just my meeting background people coming through. Well, so um, why does he want to invest, pretend to invest in a printing business? Yeah. Um, Daniel is not really interested in, in yeah, investing in a printing business. He's um, making believe that he wants to um, hand money out to the hard-up printers in Philadelphia um, because it gives him an excuse to talk to and gossip with all the printers in town. Uh, printers might not talk to outsiders, but Daniel began his apprenticeship as a printer in Philadelphia. So he's hoping to pick up information about which printer or printers in town have agreed to print fake money. Because, of course, if you're going to have fake money, someone's got to print the stuff. Mm. Um, so, so he's knocking on doors throughout Philadelphia and um, being quite loud about his supposed interest in investing. But um, I, I had mentioned to you, Fran, that, that question about what is the significance of counterfeit. That, yeah. Um, it's, it's the best question I've been asked <laughs> since, since the book glad. came out. Um, because a, a lot of the themes and plot in the book are really about how we question what's real in our lives and what's yeah. not and how we struggle to tell the difference. So... Of course, Becca and Daniel are searching for counterfeiters, so that's one level. But they're also struggling with their own counterfeit identity in the story because their marriages make their marriages make believe, but their yeah. attraction to each other is real. Um, and and so they have to grapple with um, what the culture of the time tells them is right and wrong. Um, and make believe they're married and show some level of affection that they actually feel, but they're not really married. Um, and then there's Becca and her mom. Becca's dad had repeatedly told her that her mother loved Becca more than life itself and that her mother died. And it turns out that isn't true, of course. Her, her mom had what we would call postpartum depression. And, and maybe what we'd call clinical depression now. She, she wandered away and never came back. So Becca, Becca's life spirals a bit, um, and you have to ask yourself, what if you discovered that one of your core beliefs, uh, a memory or a story that's always defined you, isn't true? So um, that, that actually brings Becca and Daniel closer together. Um, so, so I think counterfeit works on a couple of levels in the story. Why is Daniel invest in pretending to investigate? What is exactly is he investigating? He's he's looking for um, who's he thinks that if he can find the the company or person who's printing the money, he can follow the the trail back to find the person who's actually running the counterfeiting ring, and he thinks there's a chance that the person could be educated and, and wealthy. Um, so, so that's why he's investigating merchants. And so is Becca. They're both looking for um, people of wealth 
in in Philadelphia who maybe have uh, suddenly and inexplicably come into more money, are suddenly mm. buying fancier clothes, a new house, new furniture. Who's who's got money that you wouldn't expect? Um, and and that's that's one of the places they're they're investigating, um, as as well as looking at others. This is the most fascinating thing, though. This is why this book really. I mean, George Washington is smart, and he realizes that people are printing fake money, but people don't oh, realize yeah. that it's fake. So how could someone print money? And who are those that, that, that would do this? And why do they think they could get away with it? I mean, seriously, how can someone literally, I mean, that's so cool. I mean, if people could actually do it and get away with it, I guess they, more people would. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. I had, um, I am clearly a history nerd, but I had so oh, much good. fun researching counterfeit money in, in the 18th century. Um, the British actually were. Um, spreading counterfeits throughout the colonies. They were hoping hoping mm. to destabilize the country enough that way that uh, people would see the error of their ways and come back to England, stable old England. Um, and, of course, there was no um, mint. There, there was no such thing as one source of, of money. Every colony printed its own. And, um, you know, even Benjamin Franklin printed money for a while. Yeah, so he does. it was a mess. And um, Daniel, having been a printer, knows a lot about ink quality and paper quality. So mm -hmm. looking, looking closely, you can see some, some counterfeit printers were sloppy. So you would have um, these beautiful uh, images on paper money from Connecticut or Pennsylvania or New York, mm -hmm. you know, for example, a, a nine-branched tree, and maybe the fake money would have ten branches instead of nine, or there would be spelling errors, um, or the ink quality would be so bad that it it would smear if if you mm. rubbed it. So. Um, Daniel Daniel looks for all of those clues and and knows enough to pick them up, and and one of one of the things I did um, in researching was was pick up the phone and call Williamsburg, and mm. and actually talk to the the man who's run their print shop for um, many decades to so that I could learn more about ink and and other elements, but uh, it was a serious enough. I'm sorry. You're lucky. You're lucky because a lot of times people don't want to, you know, help authors. That is great that somebody actually wanted to help you so that you would learn something. I, um, my grandfather used to say, uh, "If you don't ask, you don't know." So you're I right. Was, I was happily surprised that he was willing to talk to me too. So tell us who Reed is and what happened to Taylor. And I think the next question I'm going to leave out because it's sort of like a spoiler. Oh, okay. Um, about who they think is whatever. So I'm going to leave that one out. So tell us about Reed and what happens to Taylor. Sure. Um, Mr. Reed is also a, a real historical character. He was the governor mm. of Pennsylvania, and uh, he hated 
loyalists, you know, people who supported King George with a, a great passion. Um, he, uh, his, his wife, Esther, uh, formed the Ladies Association of Philadelphia and, and wrote a great essay with a, a famous line that said, American women were born for liberty. But back mm-hmm. to Mr. Reed. Um, he hated loyalists so much that uh, in the summer that this book takes place, 1780, he uh, issued a proclamation or had the state issue a colony issue a proclamation saying that the wives of the loyalists who had supported the British when they occupied Philadelphia had to leave Pennsylvania that summer. There were no trials. There was no uh, requirement of evidence that these women were working against uh, America. They were kicked out, and uh, Pennsylvania uh, took their property. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was interesting. Um, so Mr. Reed, Mr. Reed in, in history had a lot of great qualities and also some that were not as great. Um, and having the wives kicked out of Philadelphia that summer is, is a part of my plot. Um, Mr. Taylor is, is a no good Nick. Um, yep. <laughs> he, he's, he's the victim, uh, in the story or a victim, uh, and is found dead on the waterfront in Philadelphia in a very, very bad neighborhood. Um, and, it doesn't appear as if anyone will miss him. So he he okay. cheated he cheated his investors. He cheated on his wife. Um, he's he's not someone you would want to invite to dinner. No, definitely not. But I'm sure he has his own friends if he wanted to find them. There's always somebody that's going <laughs> to do something wrong. That's so true. This, that's true. This is the coolest part. Of course, it fits the title too. Daniel and Becca pretend to be married. How do they carry it off at first, and then what happened between them? There's no. just, she's, she's, she's spunk, let me tell you. I like her. Oh, I'm so glad. I do, too. Um, I, I wish I was more like her. Um, <laughs> first of all, they, um, why, why on earth would you make believe you're married to somebody? Um, yeah. The... The culture of the time, the 18th century, men and women, especially in society, would not have been permitted to be alone without a chaperone uh, unless mm. they were married or family. And, and meanwhile, I've got my two amateur sleuths, Daniel and Becca, and they have to go to Philadelphia and they're going to have to interview su- um, suspects in the counterfeiting ring and later in the murder. How are they going to share information um, privately if they need a chaperone. So uh, George Washington and Martha Washington, who has a small part in in the book too, uh, agree to let them uh, masquerade as a married couple because it's the only way they'll be able to track down the counterfeiters. Um, it's not that hard initially because, of course, in the 18th century, you you would not expect um, yeah. a married couple to be holding hands or hugging in public. Um, 
they do have adjoining rooms, and as their attraction increases, that comes into play. Um, so at first, um, it's, it's relatively easy to carry off the masquerade, but um, as when Becca discovers her mother and becomes more and more upset, she she turns to to Daniel, you know, on, on this theme of what's real and what's not. She she just she is attracted to him and likes him and wants to feel something real. So I'll just say that they become much closer, which in some ways makes the marriage masquerade even harder. It is harder, but I can't tell yeah. it's not fun. <laughs> At least you pick somebody, somebody I'm perfect so, for her. I'm glad you think so. It's it's my my what my sense of humor. What can I tell you? I gotta keep it going. <laughs> you know, I read so many books every week. I finished one this morning. That's 500 pages too long. It's a famous author, so I won't say who. Um, the book is good, but the ending and the final situation was really upsetting. And he, he mm. the, the two people that worked the hardest to get what was supposed to be done got killed. So I wasn't happy about that. So what can I say? So what happens when she meets Hannah, and what does she learn? Because Becca's f- bent on getting her free. How come? Oh, yeah, that's that's tough. Um, Hannah, uh, Becca's Becca's mom, you know, in the in the mystery world, the the um, expression is she had the means, the motive, and the opportunity to yep. kill Mr. Taylor. So she's in trouble. And um, despite herself, Becca listens to her mother's story about why she left and how she felt, and she. She starts softening to her, even though she doesn't particularly want to. Um, and, and second, her her mother is also a link to Mr. Taylor and perhaps the counterfeiting mm-hmm. ring if Mr. Taylor is mm-hmm. involved. So she she feels like she needs to see her mother to ask her questions about Taylor. Um, it's probably just because her mother's her mother, she's convinced Hannah did not kill Mr. Taylor and that there's someone else out there um, who may be connected to the counterfeiting ring and wants to learn more. So she's got a complicated jumble of emotion between starting to feel that tug toward her mother and also um, wanting to unravel the mystery that they're in the middle of. That, that's that's tough because her mother is, you know, she has to learn to trust her, and sometimes you'd be surprised what you learn. <laughs> so what happens yeah, when? And, yeah, I know. Tell me about it. I, I, my mom passed away a while ago, and I went and looked through papers, and I'm finding out things I didn't know about. So I just oh. sort of like you. Yeah, I found out a whole lot of stuff that I didn't know about, and um, it's interesting. I just found I even found out that I'm younger than I am which makes me very happy, but you can't change your birth certificate. But wow. one kind of was my mother. <laughs> so what happens when Eli learns the truth about Becca and Daniel? Who is Eli? I like yeah. that too. Eli is the um, – Becca and Daniel 
have been invited to stay with um, one of the wealthiest merchants in Philadelphia mm-hmm. who's a friend of the Washingtons. His name is Mr. Barnes, um, and Eli is the butler in Mr. Barnes's house, and he's um, he's very proper. He's pro- he's definitely more proper than than Becca and Daniel. Um, Mr. Barnes doesn't know about this marriage masquerade. So when Eli finds out um, Becca and Daniel are afraid, he, he's going to tell Mr. Barnes, and they're going to get kicked mm. out that Eli's going to gossip and uh and between Mr. Barnes and Eli that all of all of Philadelphia will will know about this and that their mission for General Washington will fail. So Eli finding out about this um raises the stakes for Becca and Daniel. Yeah, cuz he could blow the whole deal and that wouldn't be so good. And you know what right. the, the scary part is? I mean, you brought to light an issue that people need to be aware of, because counterfeiting happens everywhere. Like I, like like you said, not only with marriages and money, but just in general, just counterfeit companies yeah. and counterfeit people. It's getting really yeah. So I mean, there's That's a lot that, that that you can learn from this. So Daniel is arrested for Rooney's murder. Why? Daniel wouldn't do something terrible like that. <laughs> Oh, so sad. Um, I got upset no, when wouldn't. I said that. He's he, Daniel. He's set up. He is so set up for that murder. Um, oh yeah. He he gets he gets a note um, supposedly from from this printer Rooney, mm-hmm. um, who who may or may not be involved in the counterfeiting ring. So when the note says. Um, Daniel, please come meet me at my print shop at, on this day and this time. Daniel uh, jumps at it, even though it's a little suspicious. Um, so he shows up at, to find uh, Rooney dead, and very quickly thereafter, uh, the sheriff shows up saying he'd gotten a message um, saying he could catch this this murderer if he was quick enough. Um, so, so poor Daniel is um, about to be arrested, and uh, and and things are, and goes on the run. I don't blame him. I wouldn't. I don't want blame to be... him either. He didn't do it. I know, really. Besides the fact that if you know if Becca finds out who did it, she'll smash him. I know that. <laughs> so. Who who is Jamie, and why does this was really cool? I, I've dealt with people that are very wealthy. That's not me, and they have a different attitude about a lot of things, which is really not great all the time. So explain why each wife wants status and money. Why does it matter who you want? People are the same. I don't judge people by their wealth bank accounts. I judge people by how kind of person they are. And I could tell in five seconds if I like somebody, which is really not great, but that's the truth. So why does each wife want status and money? What is their point? What does it matter to them? And they won't deal with anybody that's not in the upper class. We got that straight. Yeah. I I think it's – it is sad. It is sad. And um, in writing this, I think I – wasn't pointing this out on purpose. You know, culture changes, manners change, but human nature doesn't change. Um, 
and some uh, Mr. Taylor's Edmund Taylor's wife Charlotte um, is is not an independent woman. She's not someone who can who's capable of dusting herself off and taking care of herself. Mm. So even even if she's mistreated, she would rather be the bird in the gilded cage. Um, that's that's one choice. Um, Mrs. Reed, the, the governor's wife, um, is also part of upper-class society, not that they would have called it upper-class then. Um, but she uses her position to um, advocate for good in the world, you know, some, somebody who uses her position um, as well as she can. So there's a whole gamut of, of characters with different motivations, some good, some bad. Um, Jacob Price's wife, for example, would rather mm. not be rich. She just wants to go home to their farm in Connecticut and have a good life um, with the husband she knew, not the one who's striving um, to be rich because he thinks that that's the most important thing in the world. That's a, they're all so different. And some of yeah. them just so materialistic. Well, I know a lot of people yeah. like that now, and I'm glad I'm not just like that. Now. Yeah, people people today, for some reason, um, they, they they judge you. Not only do they judge you by your wealth and where you live, but they judge you by how you look, how old you are, and a whole lot more. And that drives me crazy. So when somebody asks me on the phone my date of birth, I tell them I don't know. No. I, I literally say, if you can't figure it out, it's only bit. And then when you tell them, they talk to you as if you're four, at which point I hang up. Mm-hmm. That's, that's scary. Yeah. So Taylor's wife, Charlotte, what happens to her? And why does Barnes, Barnes turns on Daniel? I want you to hit him and smack him in the head. I mean, really. Oh, you know, it's, the characters, in, in some way, they're all your children. So, yeah. Um, even poor poor Mr. Barnes, he has a te- he has a quick temper. I'll admit that. Um, yeah. There's Daniel. Daniel escapes from the sheriff, and there's quickly a notice in one of the n- many newspapers in Philadelphia, um, offering a reward for the capture of Daniel. And mm. Mr. Barnes reads this before he gets home, um, and and is is confused and hurt and he's the kind of person who when he's confused and hurt it comes out as anger um mm-hmm. so he lo- it looks as if he's turned on Daniel until um he calms down and he and Becca talk um so it's it's short lived now there's murders so what is the significance of the murder of the money in each murder cuz that was unique too Ah, uh, um, yes. The it turns it turns out without giving spoilers. Yeah. Um, that that there um, there is some fake money that's discovered close to Mr. Taylor's body. I'll I'll leave it at that. And of course, okay. um, there's. 
it turns out there's fake money in Rooney's print shop. But you have to wonder, is that part of the setup, or was he really printing fake money? Which, which by the way, um, would, would get you uh, killed if you were convicted of, of printing fake money. Well, that's that what I'm thinking. You know something? Uh, the scary part is that people are doing it right now as we speak. And I, I watch, you know, on television, well, I watch all these history programs, and I watch how the money was made and whatever, and I often wonder whether the people that work in the Treasury actually report everything that they do, or they actually print some for themselves, too. <laughs> I wonder at times. I think I should start taking notes for possible future plots just based on our conversation. Yes, I told you this is this is there's, this is me. One. What can I say? <laughs> I, I just I wonder sometimes because you know they show that the um, millions of dollars going to this country or that country, and I'm wondering this guy's printing them. Is he printing any for himself? How would anybody know except that the serial numbers are different? We don't know. So huh. Becca has a lot of suspects, right? So who who is uh, Missy? What about her? Oh, um, Missy is is an enslaved black woman who um, mm. was owned, because that's the only way to put it, by uh, Charlotte Taylor and brought into the marriage. Um, she's uh, she's a suspect. Um, mm-hmm. She was raped by Mr. Taylor and bore a child who she loves, and uh, Mr. Taylor, um, and you can just imagine uh, mm. what that did in this household. And he is, um, before his death, he is planning to sell Missy and the child down into the Deep South. Um, so she's, as it turns out, is is another suspect who had... Uh, means opportunity and motive to uh think think ill of mr taylor i don't blame her but before i forget no, i don't blame wednesday her wednesday nunzio's way on the 7th um adam sykes landslide on the 8th somebody that i adore things the greatest the claire carlson series it's news to me dick belsky will be there on the 12th, Midnight Call. Uh, this show is, my show is booked to the end of March, people. Uh, the 14th, Her Sister's Death. And what better way, this is so cool, to end December than with the man that writes for Criminal Minds, uh, D.P. Lyle, Tallyman. And that's just some of what's coming up. And there was um, an author that wrote a book that they sent to me, and I didn't know I was getting um, he was a, he's a big lawyer now. He was wrongly accused. The title of the book is Mark for Life, and uh, and Isaac Wright Jr. is coming on January 12th to talk about what happened when he was convicted of um, wrongly accused and how, what he's doing now to help people in that state as a lawyer. So that's January 12th, people, and that's just not even the half of what I've got planned. What can I say? So if anybody out there has a book, you better tell me now because March is filling up and that's going to go to April. <laughs> so, question. Why does she disappear? Missy disappears, right? So how does she, how does she manage to, to, to get away? Oh, she, um, 
Missy, Missy is um, very resourceful. And, yeah, she's good. Um, she, she, Charlotte Taylor is coming unbalanced and um, thinks the baby belongs to her. Uh, mm-hmm. And Missy says, uh, the baby's not doing well. I will go and find the healer. And off she goes. She's She's been to uh, Becca's mother, Hannah's house before. Hannah is a healer. And uh, she hides in the root cellar. Um, so that's her first step toward freedom. Um, but where is she going and how far does she want to go? Pennsylvania passed the first law limiting slavery even just a tiny bit that, mm-hmm. that spring. And Missy's child uh, under this new law would be free at the age of 28. And I, I know in real life there are and should be questions how much of a change mm. did that law make. But in my book, it matters to Missy. And she doesn't want to leave Pennsylvania. That, that law would not apply anyplace else. So that's one of her main motivations for escaping. Um, and also, uh, and I would say even before that is, she's, she's mm. not loving that Charlotte Taylor thinks the baby is hers. So, Charlotte Taylor so needs, needs disappearing. Charlotte Taylor needs psychiatric help. Seriously, she she sure does. But she was a lot she, of fun to write. They they are. There's one character that I'm not going to bring in because I realized that she had something to the person has something to do with what happened. But how did you create the final scenes and without giving it away? And how did you reveal the truth about what happened? Um. I, I don't know about you, but I've I've worked with um, in past lives with a bunch of economists and accountants, and when they read Excel spreadsheets, which just blur in front of my eyes, but when they read them, it tells us the numbers tell a story, mm-hmm. and and that's who Becca is, and and has been since the first book. She's a whiz with numbers. Mm-hmm. And she discovers um, some papers that uh, that are accounts um, that someone has kept, and they tell the story of who's who's really in charge of the counterfeiting ring, uh, and and who's who are the worker bees below that person. Um, so, so that's that's how her talent for numbers comes in, um, in act act three basically of the story. She's she's really good with with numbers, and that's what makes her stand out. So, I have a whole bunch of issues that came. You have talked about status, wealth, distrust, mm-hmm. hate, money, counterfeiting, investments, and fake. Paybacks and wives we trade. How did you intertwine all those issues? That's probably why I read the book in two hours. Seriously. Oh my goodness! Um, I really, you know, it goes back to that question you asked in the beginning. What does counterfeit have to do with yeah. everything? And and all of those issues fall under that umbrella. What's real? What's not? How do you feel about it? How do you dis- how do you feel when you discover things you've believed aren't true and 
Mm-hmm. And also, um, given that this was my COVID book, <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you're how saying. Do you, how how can you find hope and be willing to trust people again after hard, chaotic times? So um, all of that fit together, and it just so happened it it also fit Philadelphia in 1780, 81. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I was looking at all sorts of parallels between their times and our times. And that's that's how we came together. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is a great historical fiction book. And, if you know, I, I taught for a lot, about a lot of years, and I'm a reading specialist. And, of course, I used a couple of books that I got in trouble with, but that's okay because I taught kids that were – the second and third class I taught, were, the children were above grade level by about five or six years. There were sixth graders wow. reading on high school level. They were really smart. They made me too smart. That's probably why. And some of the, some of them, are, one of them is my foot doctor. Another one has a bridal boutique. If you see him on uh, Facebook, Mark Ingram, he's mine. Paul Levy is oh. mine. A whole, the whole bunch of them are all mine. Eric, there's a whole bunch of them that are mine. And obviously, you know, I must have done some something right <laughs> at, that, at that particular time. So, I mean, p- kids could really learn a lot from reading the, from reading, reading this book. And if I was still teaching, I probably would use it as one of my as one of my books to read as as far as a time period. So why doesn't anyone believe that Becca is really the good and how she figures it out? They don't they don't quite believe that she did it. Well, there's there's another place perhaps that there's a parallel between then and now. She's she's yeah. a young woman. She's in her um early to mid twenties, trying to convince a overworked, overtired governor that she's right when all he wants to do is reassure the wealthiest people in Philadelphia that mm-hmm. that the murder of one of their own, Mr. Taylor was wealthy, has been solved. He just wants the problem to go away. So um, I, I think I was thinking of some of the bureaucrats and mm. um, state politicians I've met when when I wrote that scene. There's an awful lot of fake people in general that I've met. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think a lot of yeah. a lot of things have changed. I mean I'd be I'd be wondering if you in that time period if you added a medical person, you know, an M E or a doctor mm-hmm. and how they would handle something like that and in the present where they don't really care. I've noticed that medical care now has declined and answers from people Come on the phone. They don't even bother to. They don't even bother to invite you to come in anymore. It's scary. So yeah. Be- Becca, I, I Becca, agree. and Daniel, um, you know, get close. So what happens when he wants to, you know, sort of pin her down a little bit? How how, how oh, she you know, just, What does she do? She doesn't want to be pinned what, down. I know. She she's um she owns a farm only. Well, it's it's not a major issue, but only widows were permitted to own their own property in this time period. So um, you you give something up when when you're married, um, when you own property in the 18th century. But it's it's more that issue of um, she doesn't trust herself. She mm. she thought her how long is this going to last? She thought she had been in love with her first husband. Mm-hmm. Um, who wasn't the greatest. Um, her mother's shown up 
when she thought her mother was dead. Um, maybe she's wrong about Daniel, she thinks. Maybe this is another temporary thing. She's not ready to um, commit, even though that, of course, is not the word you would have used back then. I know. Um, and um, Daniel's more traditional. He he. Not only that, but he he's shocked to find himself in love again. He didn't think that was going to happen. He he's been grieving the death of his first wife um, and infant son, and he didn't expect to fall in love, and he has. And that's that. He's in love. He wants to marry her. Rebecca has her own plans, and we're not going to say what that is, seriously. But Good. yeah, I you know something that's funny. My my mother and father believed <laughs> my mother mostly in old-fashioned ways, and that mm-hmm. you know, you know, if you're getting married, you stay in your house, and he stays in his until you get married. That was that was my mother's thing, and yep. it's not the same now. I mean, I know my my nieces have boyfriends, and um. I wonder sometimes, and I worry because you know boyfriends sleep. They won't sleep. They can't sleep over in their house because my mm-hmm. nieces live together. Well, my other niece, her mother, would never allow it. But you don't know what they do when they go visit the boyfriend, and that bothers me. I say I think moral values have changed from the from the 1700s, 1800s till now, and it's too bad that they can't they, bring some of those back. I I think I think. Culture and can change, as as I've yeah. said. You, you, I look for, um, and it sounds like you do too, for for ethical behavior yeah. and kind behavior. And I can let a lot of things go if if I get the sense that someone is um, is being straight and kind yeah. to their significant other, especially. That that to me is great, but you know something I've noticed going into businesses and stuff. Um, I can't mm-hmm. say which business. I go into businesses and I'm friends with both the, the husband and the wife, and I notice that the husband is not very nice. He insults her in front of customers, and I find well, that's that, not right. that it's, not only is it not right, but I do tell him it's wrong because <laughs> you know me, I got a big mouth. I don't care. It's wrong, I'm... and I said she feels uncomfortable, and they wonder why people you know, don't want to come in there sometimes because he wouldn't hesitate to say something. When, yesterday he told my husband that that you poor, he looked at me and said, your poor husband, he's stuck with you. I said, what can I say? Oh. And I looked at him and I said, the oh, problem nice. is that she's, I turned around and said, problem is she's stuck with you. Oh, well, too bad. Yeah. And, and, he, and he looked at me and he said, she, you know, you got the better of the deal. I said, so did you. And I walked away. I cracked up laughing. I don't get thrown <laughs> by it. I was hysterical laughing. He's he, much he older than me. He probably likes someone like, who talks back to him. Yeah, he looked at me, and I said, if you say one word about anything, you know, it's, it's just weird. People judge you by, I mean, I went to a medical office the other day for whatever reason to pick up something, and the doctor that was there said, you, you match, your hair match. It might have different color hair. It's green, purple, green, purple, blue, and magenta. Highlights for real, and Good my outfit actually, yeah, my outfit actually matched me. And she looked at me, and she says, "You really set the tone for patience." I said, "I set the tone for something." So, where do we see Becca and Daniel next? What's next for my guys over here? Um, I'm I'm finishing up book three, 
and uh, you will find them in Paris hanging out with Benjamin Franklin. Oh, cool. About uh, about eight, nine years before the French Revolution, but um, yes, uh, Benjamin Franklin was our first ambassador to France at the and this will be the tail end of the Revolutionary War. I love Benjamin Franklin. And they're still not married. I know, but is this is this the end of the trilogy, or is there going to be more after this one? I hope there will be more. Besides the third one. There's going to be more, right? I, I hope so. I have I'll a three-book to... contract. So we'll we'll see what happens next to the, for me you're, and, you're lu- and them. You're lucky. You're lucky because... But I'm hoping, I'm waiting for the edits for my new book. And mine is very unique and different. It's called Faces Behind the Stones, The Accused. It's it's, um, told from the point of view of the dead person that was wrongly accused of something. I'm writing it down. It's really, my Faces Behind the Stones series started a long time ago. That's the first one. Um, The second one is called Bad Choices for Teens. The third one is hmm. Lies, Fears, and then there's Hidden Truths and Lies. And the the one that I'm having um, redone, I gave it to a different editor. There's two editors that are doing two different books. It's called Silent Voices, but I'm having it redone. Can you hear me? It's stories about two hmm. stories, about people that voices were silenced that were never heard, including my grandmother in the concentration camp. And I felt that I hmm. wanted to tell her story. And my other grandmother who is not a very nice person, but I told her story too. And it it came about very crazy. When my sister died under strange circumstances, I went to the cemetery for her uh, memorial, and I said to her, if you could tell me what really happened, I I could get justice for what happened to you. And I went around to all the gravestones and said, why are you here? Why are you here? And I said, wouldn't it be cool to write a book like that? And it was really weird. Wow. What can I say? So what did you this time period is is really important. What would you hope people learn after reading reading your books? And people you need to by the way, your book is going the way of all my books do. Uh my dermatologist wife loves me because I'm only allowed to come if I bring books. So this goes oh. in the pile for Dr. M. Yeah, she loves me. I mean I if I come with less than twenty five books she gets nervous that I didn't read enough. And oh, I've got fun. yours and three more. And by the time I go there, whenever I go there in February, whatever, I should have about 50. She'll be happy. Well, tell her I so, hope she enjoys it. She she better. This this mm-hmm. one is really good. So seriously speaking, I don't I don't know how did you why did you choose this time period, and what would you hope people learn from reading the book because it's really good. It's five stars, people. My 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 review is on Amazon. It got accepted this morning. Seriously. They oh, did. thank you so much. Yep, I did. Um, I I volunteered at the Morristown National Historical Park, where it's close to home, um, and thought I'd be clearing trails. And they assigned me to the archives instead. And mm. um, in the process of going through these fantastic old letters and documents, I found an insignificant indictment. For the crime of traveling from New Jersey to New York City, the phrase was, without permission or passport. Oh, wow. And I, I, grew, I grew up in and around New York City, and I thought, what the heck? You, you couldn't go to New York City? And I took it to the 
historian on site who in in much politer language than this said, oh, honey, sit down and let me tell you about the real revolution. And he, mm. he said, um, historians think around 50% of the population supported independence and 50% opposed it Did, or had no opinion. Yeah. And, and that so many New Jerseyans were spying for the British, which controlled New York City, or smuggling things into the city that they made it a crime to go there. And things, <laughs> our, our country was, um, seemed to be coming apart around then. And for whatever reason, that just stuck with me. And the more I learned, the more then seemed a bit like now. And, yeah. and I started writing the story about a woman who's caught up in the war uh, Becca, um, and initially just really wants to be left alone um, and, and comes around to support independence. So um, I hope what people take away from it, it, it actually <laughs> makes me optimistic. You know, we've, we've been in this place before this country, not just during the, the Civil War. Um, we seem to have been born as as argumentative and stubborn and divided mm-hmm. as we are now, and we, we made it through. So I, I hope people love the characters, and I hope that's what they take away from, from the books. Well, I took a lot away, as you could tell. So where can everybody get all of, both of your books? And when is the next one um, coming out? They can uh, get my books anywhere they're sold, and it just came out as, a, uh, as an audio book, on Chirp mm-hmm. and Libro.fm. So if, if that's your preference. Oh, the first book, uh, The Turncoat's Widow, is, is out now as an audio book. The second one is coming. And the next book will be out uh, in late 2023. Well, make sure I get it. And if I don't ask this question, Gina's going to have a fit. She wants to know, they always want to know if you're going to do another tour with Partners in Crime. And if and when my book ever comes out, I'm going to do one with them, another one with them too, because they're great. They they are great, and I've had a, a wonderful experience with them. So I would I would love to do another tour with Partners in Crime tours. So everybody, it's a beautiful day outside. Get a couple of copies of The Counterfeit Wife because Hanukkah's coming and Christmas and books are the best presents in the world. Seriously. And this job I have is great because people send me their books and I don't have to buy them. It makes it even better. <laughs> and, the, and the interviews, my husband's thrilled because he keeps me out of the stores. Right now it's keeping me out of the living room, which is great. So thank you so much. <laughs> Everybody stay safe. Have a great day and bye.